I'm going to jump into the message today. This is a standalone message. It's not part of our legacy series. This isn't part of the at the movie series. This is something the Lord was stirring in my heart. I want to preach a message today entitled, God, what are you doing? You ever asked that before? God, what, what is it? Actually, it, I, I'm sure there might be some more colorful language from some of you. <laughs> Whenever you ask that question, others of you more reserved, some of you in here, though, you might use some other vocabulary. Luke chapter 1, verse 8, this is actually the introduction to the Christmas season. It says, one day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. I'm building a context here for this message, so follow along. Verse 24. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And then the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, watch this, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, many, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. I want to preach a message today. God, what are you doing? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time to gather together this morning. And Lord, I just pray that as we look into your word, look at this story, as we talk about what you're doing. Father, I pray that we will have ears to hear what you want to say. But Lord, I pray that as I speak today, that I'm not just speaking to the people that are in this room. But Father, I pray, God, you will help me to speak into their hearts. Pray, God, that this message will be uplifting and encouraging. And help us to see, have insight, what it is that you're up to in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, through the years of ministry, there's been some uh, really interesting questions that I've been asked about a number of different topics. And some of the most common questions usually that we're asked about is like, People want to know, God, what do you want me to do? Like, God, what do I need to be doing? Or the other question is, what is taking God so long to do what I've been asking him to do? These are, these are some very, very common questions. 
But then another question I get asked is, how do I know that this is actually what God wants me to do? How do I know it's God and not just me? You ever asked that question before? Like, like, like if the Lord says, hey, I want you to go tell this person about me. And that's where it's like, God, I don't know if this is you or not. Like, I don't know if this is Satan trying to tell me to go tell this person about you or what. It's not Satan. It's probably the Lord. And that's not you because you normally wouldn't do that. I promise you that's the Lord. Another question that gets asked a lot is, God, what is, what is your will for my life? And I, if you want to talk about one of the most interesting, confusing, dynamic, deep discussions, talk about the will of God. Because there are some folks out there that have some ideas about the will of, the God, uh, the will of God that I think are just like crazy, ridiculous. Like I've heard people who were sick who said, well, there's just God's will for me. And I just, that blows my mind. Like bad things happen and they're just like, well, it's just God's will. And it's just so perplexing to hear the interpretation that people have of um, God's will. But yet the search continues how people are trying to figure out what God's will is for their life. And how do I know what it is that God wants me to do? What is my calling? And we could go on and on and on all day with all these questions. And many of you would agree these are questions that we have that we want answers to. And they're so powerful, these questions, because these are the kinds of questions that we're hanging our life on. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're asking God, what is your will for my life? That's not just like, what do you want me to wear tomorrow to work? This is like one of those, God, I need to know because I'm making big life decisions and I'm going to determine the rest of my life off of this decision. Am I right? I mean, this is the real deal stuff. And so what I noticed that happens is that people are looking for, they're looking for signs. And they're trying to find ways to interpret whatever it is that they may see, whatever experiences or situations that may, they may have. And, 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 oh, this happened. What did that mean? Or, 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 or I ran into this person the other day. I hadn't seen them in years. I wonder what that means. And we can go on and on with trying to interpret every little thing. I was praying for a sign, and I passed down the road, and I saw a billboard. I heard a guy say that one time. He said, I was praying for a sign to, uh, to determine if I needed to go back to church. And years ago, we had a billboard up, and he said, I saw your billboard, and I figured I needed to go to church. And I remember when he told me he was leaving church, he wasn't going to go to church again. I said, well, what about the sign? What about the billboard that was your sign from God that you needed to get back in church? And so the sign can be great, but the sign may not be everything. But yet we're looking for a sign. We're looking for different things. What does that mean? How do we interpret it? And then we have these desires, and we have, the, and here's a buzzword, is our passions, and we automatically believe that because I have a passion for this, then this is what I'm supposed to do um, with my life. And I'm just going to tell you, that's not always the truth. And I know I'm going to step on some toes by saying that, but just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean it's going to pay your bills. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I would say there's a lot of people in here that's making a pretty good life and they aren't doing what they're passionate about. And I'm not trying to tell you don't be passionate. I'm just trying to say these are things that we're building our lives off of. And we're trying to connect it all with God and stir it in the big pot and make the Jesus gumbo and serve it up like it's going to be good. And I want you to know sometimes it's not good. Because it's confusing and it's not putting us where we're supposed to be. Because I have learned that God will sometimes ask you to do things you don't want to do. All right. Amen. Okay. Yeah. taught to follow these passions and and sometimes we wind up more confused 
because it was supposed to be amazing, and it's hard. In Luke 1, watch this, and I wanted to use this story today, not just because we're, we're going into the Christmas season, but in Luke 1, we're reading about this guy named Zechariah. Now, let me give you a little background on him real quick. He's a priest, and he's serving in the Jewish temple, okay? And it, this is a time that many would consider the intertestamental period, okay? Big word, but you're going to learn something this morning. The intertestamental period is between the Old Testament and New Testament. It's, 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 expected, it's about a 400-year period where many believe that God was doing nothing. Like God's not speaking. And it, it's almost like, God, what are you doing? Hence the topic of the message today. There's, a, there's this period where it seems like nothing is going on. And this is from the end of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, the last Old Testament book. And now here we are in the New Testament. I know we're in Luke. You're saying it's the third book of the New Testament. But chronologically, we're talking about the beginning of the New Testament right here. Okay, And so there's this guy. We're picking up with this guy named Zechariah who's serving as a Jewish priest in the temple. As he's serving, keep in mind, no one has been around. No Jesus, no God, no, no, no hear from God, nothing happening. And then an angel appears to this guy. Now, you have to ask yourself if an angel appears to you. Was that just me? Was that the movie we watched last night and I'm just having dreams from it? Or was that really an angel? I mean, did we eat too much Thanksgiving and now I'm just in a food coma and I'm dreaming weird stuff? Or did that just happen? Am I right? Like if an angel shows up in your bedroom, it's like, am I in trouble or are we good? Did I do something? Are you about to do something? We need to talk. You need to let me know because I'm not used to angels showing up. And so for 400 years, if you can imagine, there's no activity going on. And an angel appears, am I losing my mind? Like if I'm Zachariah, these are the questions. I'm, I'm not telling nobody about this. I would go to church on Sunday. I'd be tempted to tell a few people. But I'm just, I'm just staying on the down low because what if I'm losing my mind? I don't want you to know. So this 400-year waiting period, this is where some folks would say that God was forgetting about his people. It was like God was abandoning them. But I choose to look at it as God wasn't abandoning his people. He was getting things ready for his people. He was getting things in place. He, it's like this, and, and some of you, you know, um, like Christmas time comes. You ever seen a mom just escape and leave? And moms are like, what are you talking about? Because when we say leave, you think vacation. I'm talking about leave the room and go like. There we are. We're back. Preaching this thing down today. Okay. <laughs> forgot what I was saying. Mom goes away and everybody thinks, oh, she's just gone. She just forgot about us. You didn't know she was in the other room wrapping gifts. Just getting everything ready. Oh, she's probably just doing what she wants to do, getting her nails done and everything. <laughs> That's what you think. Kids hungry. Just start, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the next day. I'm so hungry. Where's mom? This is just my kids, okay? Where's mom? <laughs> you don't need to know that. But it's something how we interpret things. We interpret things so much from what we don't have that we can miss out on what we actually need. And so this period of time, it seems that God has forgotten about him, but God's actually making arrangements for the greatest gift of all to be given, which is his son, Jesus. Now, 
this is such a different, difficult concept for us because we believe that in God's sovereignty, okay? That God should be able to do whatever he wants to do. We believe that God can just, and a lot of times we take his sovereignty to mean that God should do whatever I want him to do. But that's not sovereignty. But oftentimes that's how we think God's sovereignty should work. I, I'll be honest, there are prayers that I prayed, and it was like, God, you can do this. I really believe you can. I know it's a big situation, but you're God, and you're big enough to do it, and I believe in you. Kind of like I'm talking to a kid who doesn't think he could do it. I'm like, come on, God, you can do this. You can do this. And then it doesn't happen the way I think it should happen. And there's frustration that happens because it's just like God's an all-powerful one. He can wipe people off the planet, people I don't like. You know what I'm saying? Why haven't you done it yet, God? And y'all looking at me like I'm the only one. I want to make a confession. On Friday, the party we were with made a decision to go see a movie. The movie was Frozen 2. I didn't participate in that. But there were two people that were in our party that were male, that were younger, who had the idea to go shopping at an outlet mall. On Black Friday. And for whatever reason, me, the driver, decided, okay, let's do that. Terrible idea. Before we got into the parking lot, I was already repenting. Because the traffic was, I'll just say it, it wasn't horrendous, it was ungodly. There was a line wrapping around the Nike outlet store. I did not get in that line, although I did get in the line at Adidas at a 50% off of everything sale. I purchased nothing and became angrier and angrier. I don't know why I'm telling you that story, but that's what I did. Because there were a lot of people that I would, have, I would have said, Lord, them, go ahead and plug them off. And all these people that are blocking traffic that aren't going anywhere. Anyway. Here's a, here's a challenging thought for us, and i got to watch my time today because there are people who would tell me stuff if I don't. Okay. One of the most challenging things for us is this, is that God allows this thing called free will. Free will, okay? Meaning, he does not impose his will on us. So every time we try to ask God to do something to control people, he's not going to do it. So before you pray those kinds of prayers, don't. Because it's, it's interfering with free will. See, free will is such a challenge with us because we believe that God in all his sovereignty and righteousness should just make people do the right thing all the time. But there's this thing called love. And without free will, love isn't real. Because you can't force somebody to love you. Okay? They have to choose to do it. And because of God and his goodness, when he creates man, instead of forcing us, to worship him instead of forcing forcing us to love him he creates us and gives us the free will to make the choice to love him to make the choice to follow him because that way it's real if god just forces us to do it it's no longer real love this is a manipulation it is control and so you and i we like the idea of free will when it concerns us because we like to have options am i right we like a way out we like to be able to say no but when it involves other people, we just want them to always say yes to us. 
But that's not how it works, okay? So God doesn't impose his will on us. What happens is we make decisions and God works through them. Other people make decisions and God works through them. I want you to know that there is a possibility that you can make a decision as well as somebody else that is not according to God's will. And it can have impact on your life. Just like if you choose not to do something that you know you should do that would be God's will. It's going to have ramifications on your life. Just like if somebody else that you're close to makes a decision against the will of God, it's going to impact your life. And these are important things to understand because a lot of times when we're talking about God's will, it's more of taking the magic eight ball and say, is this what I'm supposed to do? And then put it on the table and it says, try again. And so you do it again. God, is this who I'm supposed to marry? You look at it and say, not a chance. And then you roll it again. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is how we feel God's will works. Instead of seeing how God, who God is. And forming a relationship with him. And as we see who he is, we begin to learn how he operates. This is so important because a lot of times the reason that we're struggling with the will of God is because our relationship with God isn't close enough that we can pick up on the clues and the hints that he's giving us every single time. You ever seen a couple at like a Christmas party? Let's jump into this because some of you are going to need some help before we get there. And one of the spouses, like the husband or the wife, is saying things they don't need to say. And doing some things, having like some, you know, just some, just participating in some things they don't need to participate. And the other spouse, usually it's the wife looking at the husband. And they're not saying a whole lot, but they're looking at them and they're saying everything without words. How many of y'all know that look, that talk, or, or, or even if you're not married, maybe you're a kid. You know what I'm saying? And they're just staring at you like you can kiss your grandma. And they're like, well, she wants to kiss me on the mouth. Like Jesus said, turn the other cheek. <laughs> I got 18 minutes to finish this message. What's going on? Let's get back. Okay. An angel appears to Zechariah, and he tells this, and now understand, this is an older man, okay? He tells this old man that God is answering his prayers, and his wife will have a child. And their child's going to be John the Baptist, and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, this is a new experience for Zechariah, and it's overwhelming to him because he's older. And at this stage in his life, he's not supposed to be having children. God, what are you doing? Are, are, you, are you catching on to this? God, what, what are you doing? Because this doesn't seem like the way it should happen. I'm sure that Zechariah had the thought, I am losing my mind. Like, I am losing my mind. Now, this was a prayer that he had prayed. Sometimes God answers the prayers that you quit praying a while back. And then it shows up and your prayers have done changed. Because the seasons of your life have changed, and now you're praying for something else. And then God answers it, and it reverts you back to where you probably should have been. And it throws just chaos into your plans that you have right now into your life. It's like the person that God speaks to when they're younger and gives them some direction and some instruction for their life, and they avoid it. 
and they grow older and they have a family and they're doing all this and they wind up in a service like this and God speaks to their heart something and God just kind of taps them on the shoulder and they know what that means. But for them to actually be able to do that, it would mean changing so many things in their life. And it would bring that person to the place to saying, God, what are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? Don't you see all that we have done and every, all the arrangements and how well everything is going? And you want to bring me back 15 years ago where you told me to do this and it just wasn't in the cards then? And now you want to come back and say this? Like, it's hard. We got kids now. We are out every night of the week. We don't even eat at home. And now you want us to do this? And God would be like, yeah. Followed by, God, what are you doing? So watch this. Zachariah's wife is pregnant. And while she's pregnant, an angel appears again. Look, 400 years, God's doing nothing. Now all of a sudden, he wants to do everything. It's like he needs to make up for some time. And so now he shows up to what many believe would be a 14-year-old girl. A girl named Mary. Now, let's put this in context of today. If an angel shows up to a 14-year-old girl and says, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world, many of us in here are going to be like, "Mm, what cartoons have you been watching? This is what's happening here, though. This young girl, she's just minding her own business, and an angel appears to her and says, you're going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. And I would just say this, never underestimate how God could use a young person. Never underestimate how God could use a child to do something so very significant. Amen? Pay attention to your children when they feel like God's speaking something to them because it possibly could be something that could impact their life as well as yours. Amen? Let's never underestimate that. But I want you to just look at these stories right here. And I would just say, God, what are you doing? Do you realize what you're trying to do here? Like you got this old couple that you're trying to give a child. Do you understand their daily struggle that is coming, Lord? Now you're giving this young girl, 14-year-old, she's going to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the world. A teenage girl is going to be responsible for the Savior of the world. God, what are you doing? You ever been in that situation where you're saying, God, what are you doing? So the story sets up our struggle so well. Because we're waiting on God. We're trying to figure out what God is doing, what we're supposed to be doing. And we may not understand what's happening. We may not understand what God is doing. And why we have to wait for it, God. Why don't you hurry? And what we need to do. But that doesn't mean that God is sitting idle. Nor does it mean that you and I should be idle. This is important because just like just because you don't feel like God is doing something doesn't mean that we need to stop doing everything because there's this word called faithful. And I pray that God will find us faithful in every season, even in the seasons where we don't feel like God is anywhere around our situations. But God, even though I don't hear you, even though I don't see you, I want to be faithful. And there are some things that God is doing that we just will not understand. This is important to accept. There are some things that God will do that we just will not understand. And this is where we have to trust. This is where we have to trust God. So watch this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
And I wanted to present this verse in this context because when you're on the other side of it and everything's going good, it's so easy to go to somebody and say, hey, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path when you know what God wants you to do. But when you don't know what God wants you to do, and somebody is telling you, trust in the Lord, you're like, trust in the Lord? Where is he at? been 400 years since the Lord spoke to me and I'm just 44 years old anybody know the feeling so whenever somebody tells you to just trust God it's literally like a punch in the gut it's not encouragement it's not it's overwhelming because it's like I'm trying I'm trying, and I find that there's a lot of people who are trying so hard to make it all happen, make it all work. They're trying, but we need to be trusting. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His, watch this, seek His what? His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. And you're like, Pastor Wayne, that's what I'm trying to do. What is God's will for my life? Just tell me right now, please. New Year's coming. I could start on it January 1st. So I want to say this to you. When we don't understand, we have to learn to discern. When we don't understand, we have to learn to discern. It's a big word right there, discern. It's a key word. The word discern means to perceive. Watch this. Let me give you a simpler definition of it. Because you hear perceive, you're like, oh, that, that changes everything. Okay. Discern means learn to know. I'm learning to know. I'm getting used to how God operates. And the more I get used to him, the easier it is to determine what his next move is. Are you grabbing this? To recognize. I see the signs, but the signs aren't something that are external. I just got, I could tell. I could feel the tension in the relationship. I can, I can sense that he's about to do something. You ever heard somebody say that? I can sense that God is about to do something. And other people are like, how do you know? I don't sense anything. It's cold in here. And by the way, for the record, we do not control the thermostat in this room. So please don't be upset with us that it's freezing cold in this place. Never mind. I don't want to get in political debate. All right, back to this. Discernment. I believe this is where the battle of our emotions and our intellect compete. They compete with our faith right here when it comes to discernment. You ever had a, a gut feeling before? And you're trying not to go with the gut feeling, but you're trying to go with the gut feeling without going with the gut feeling because you're afraid if you go with the gut feeling, the gut feeling might be right, but then it might be wrong. You don't want to look like that. Let's dive into this a little bit. We've got these passions. We've got these intellect. And what are they doing? They're demanding answers from God before we follow them. Like, I need an answer before I'm going to do anything. And some people are like that. They need to know every single detail before they go. Other people, it's just like, tell me where, tell me when, I'll be there. Other people, like, if I don't know every little bitty thing about it. Like, some of you, you come in here, you wish we had a program. Like with time slots on it, so you knew every single little move. So if you needed to exit out of this place before we did something or said something, it would just make you feel better. But we don't do that because we're trying to get you to trust. (laughs) 
So our intellect and our passions are trying to get all the answers up front. But watch this. Our faith recognizes that God is the answer. So we follow him. See, we're not just following a direction. We're following a person that will lead us in the right direction. This is such good teaching, by the way. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the shoulder. I'm just trying to tell you that a lot of times we're trying to get a direction from God instead of just accepting that God is the director. And if we just follow the director, our direction will always be right. Okay? Because he's just telling you two words. Follow me. Follow me. But God, where are we going? Just follow me. But God, I need to know where we're going. Well, I'll tell you when we get there. See, we don't like that because we need to know. Because what if it's a route we didn't want to take? See, that's not trust, though. And that's why whenever we bring up words like discernment and trust, there's a part of us that agree with it and want to listen to it. But there's a part of us that do not want to hear another. Like some of you right now, you're getting frustrated with me because I am not painting the perfect little roadmap for you to do everything you're supposed to do because it doesn't fit on our daily calendars. Because, and the reason it doesn't fit is because we're dealing with something eternal here. Time cannot contain what God has for you. That's why you don't have time to do it. And that's not in the notes. This is just from the Lord. Time cannot contain all that God has for you. That's why we say, I don't have time to do it. But you have to choose to make time for it. Again, it's a choice. It's a free will choice where I have to choose to make time for it because when we stand before God, are we going to be able to say, God, I didn't have time for it? And God's going to be like, I kept giving you opportunities. I closed doors for you. God, that door closing was not good. He said it was the best thing that could have happened for you, but you didn't see it that way because it wasn't the convenient option for you. But you keep praying, asking me to open doors for you, open doors, and I'm trying to open doors, but you won't go anywhere until I close a door. See, the will of God is a wrestling match. I really believe that. I don't think it's just this beautiful paint a mural on the wall and everybody rejoices. This is WWE. Get the belt and let's get it on. Get your stretchy pants. Let's do this. <laughs> Discernment tells me that even when I don't have all the answers, I know the answer. Listen to this. Even though I don't have all the answers, I know the answer as long as I trust him. And if I'm trusting him, I will go where I'm supposed to go. I will do what I'm supposed to be, do and be who I'm supposed to be. If I have discernment and I just trust him. And I don't have to know everything. I just have to know that I got to follow him. Listen, if I told you to follow me to my house today, so many people are like, just give me the directions. I'll put it in my phone. You cannot put the directions that God has for your life in your phone. You have to follow him. And that means you're going to have to weave through some traffic and drive in some ways that you don't feel comfortable driving. Because I, my experience with following people is they always just drive like nobody's behind them. And you got to break the law. You're doing like 89 and a 35. And they're like, why were you going so fast? Following him to his house. All right. Three areas of discernment. Three areas. Let's hit these real quick. The first one. Three areas we have to discern. Number one, discern God's will. And you're like, isn't that what we're talking about? Yes. How do I know if it's a God idea and not just a good idea? How do I know if it's God 
and not just me. So watch this. Good ideas come, but they don't last. God ideas never go away. That is so good. Good ideas will come. But in three years, you don't forgot you had that idea. God ideas, they always show up. You're in church. You're in small group. You're at the mall, Black Friday shopping. Somebody says one thing to remind you of it, and there it is. And it's literally like God's knocking on your door. God ideas will not go away. So what do I do here? This is where I've got to seek God. And I've got to pray. And listen, don't let all your prayers be prayers of panic. God, I don't know what I'm going to do if. God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. There's a difference there. God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. So I pray. What am I doing? I want God to speak to me. I'm going to seek confirmation. When I'm looking for God's will, I want some confirmation. In other words, I need some occurrences, some people, some key people that are going to bring some confirmation. I will throw it at them and see, hey, and I don't ask them, do you think this is a good idea? Because when you ask somebody, do you think this is a good idea? You put them in such a trap because now it's like our friendship is on the line. Because if I don't think it's a good idea, you're never going to talk to me again. But I challenge you today to step it up and ask them, do you think this is a God idea? Is this a God idea that I marry this person? Think of that. Is it a God idea to quit this job up and move somewhere else? Is it a God idea? Well, you're going to make 30 grand more a year. God wants to prosper you. That doesn't mean it's a God idea, though. Come on, somebody. Don't let money be the Lord of your life. I know the money is good. Make that money. Come on, make the money. Get the job. But there are some things that money can't buy. Think of this. Think of this. I'm praying for my family. I want our family to be healthy. I want our family to be strong. And you got a job offer that's going to pay you 30 grand more a year, but you're going to travel all the time. Is that a God idea? Like, these are the things, like, and I know that's tough questions, but we got to make sure that as we're looking at things, we're using some discernment, and we have to be able to discern God's will. So we should pray about it to see what God is saying, but we should seek some confirmation. Get some counsel on it, and get some godly counsel. And listen, when you're getting counsel, don't just go horizontal. Go up, because friends are going to have a hard time disagreeing with you they don't want to lose the friendship go up go seek somebody who is godly in an authority position present the case to them and don't just ask them is this a good idea ask them is this does this seem like the will of God for a person's life and it's not just a customized will for your life it's how God operates in general and this is the part that I find that people have a challenge with is how does God operate in general okay here's the second area of discernment discern discern God's timing Discern God's timing. Everything happens according to God's time, not ours. Zachariah and his wife, they're old. They're about to have a baby. They got used to sleeping all night. Not no more. <laughs> Hello, Zachariah. You're going to wake up 3 a.m. Everything happens according to God's time. Not ours. So watch this. I want to give this to you. When it comes to matters of discipleship, like praying, 
attending church, serving, giving. The time is now. This isn't a matter of I'm seeking, I'm seeking God's timing about going to church on Sundays. Okay, let me help you with that. I can give you a clear line. You can put this on in your phone. Yes, it's God's will for you to go to church on Sundays. It is, okay? It's God's will for you to read the Bible. It's God's will for you to pray. It's God's will for you to worship. It is God's will. This isn't something I'm seeking about. It's clear. It's plain. But when it comes to the calling on your life, the future, and matters that's bigger than us, it's God's timing. It is all on God's timing. So watch this. Discerning God's timing requires maturity and a completely surrendered heart. I have to be mature about this, and I've got to make sure I'm completely surrendered to the Lord, or I will always want to rush things. That's why maturity is so important, because we want it, and we want it now. It's like a 13-year-old that's begging for a driver's license. I'm going to say it. You ain't ready for that. But I want to drive. I got places to go. I know. But you're not going to drive because you are not ready for that. And a lot of us, we want the keys now to all the things that God's got for us. And God's like, you are not ready for that. You will wreck that car. You will wind up in the ditch. And then you'll blame me for giving you the keys. See, this is why God's timing is so important because there is a time for it. So watch this. How can you discern when it's God's timing? It just flows, man. I know some of you are like, God, you sound like a hippie. It's a flow. It's a flow. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you can tell when it's good. You can tell when it's not good. Some of you right now, some of you are in the doghouse with your spouse right now. You feel it. And it ain't just the men because some of you ladies, you burnt that credit card up so much this weekend. that <laughs> you ain't even telling them. Trying to justify it. I bought you a shirt. You can discern it. Kids can walk into their house and they know, okay, stay away from mom. It's happening. Why? Because they know the flow of their home and they can tell when things are changing. They know that this is what our family does and this is what our family doesn't do. And when you try to do it, they're like, whoa, whoa, dad, what are you doing? (laughs) This is not what we do. Same thing with our kids. This is not what we do. There is a flow to it. You can feel it. You can sense it. And so when it comes to the will of God, you can sense, you can discern God's timing. Why? Because it just flows. And if you're trying to do something and it's not working and you're fighting, it's not. it might not be the devil. It just might be the wrong time. Amen? I know y'all didn't like that. Okay. So watch this. When God makes it happen, he sustains it. When you make it happen, you have to sustain it. Try to change your family. God change them. God change them. And you start working it, then you got to keep it going. But when God, when God changes them, he sustains it. That's the big difference. When you do it, you have to make it happen. When God does it, he keeps it going. Okay? Let's go to the last one because i got to finish up. The third thing is discern God's ways. Discern God's ways. we got his will. we got his timing. But you got to be able to discern God's ways. It's to seek his guidance and voidance and, and his voice in every single step. There's the word of God we go to. There's his voice. There's godly oversight that we go, we go to. This is why discernment is so important because without it, watch this. 
we become so introverted with our own vision that we can't see how it all works together for God's purposes. God's will is so important for our lives and people are struggling with it and I feel like we're making it more difficult than what it really is. So where do I start, Pastor Ray? Start with the simple things. Start with the obvious things. Don't boycott God until he shows you everything. I felt like I needed to say that. God, I ain't going to church. I ain't going to e-group. I am not lifting my hands during that song until you tell me everything I need to do. And God's like, okay. You want to play that game? I can wait. But can you? See, the key to all of this is a completely surrendered heart. That is the key to all of this. And when our hearts are completely surrendered, that's where the Lord begins to speak stuff. And he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Close your side. Here's something you need to know. And he speaks it to you and it blows your mind because you didn't know that he had thoughts like that towards you. You thought he had been void, but he had always been present. He was always there. We were trying to interpret who God was and how he operates through the situations that were happening in our life. Because if God was good and God was that, this would happen and this wouldn't happen. And it's God, all that stuff. Stay close and listen. Because God.